Hey everyone, and welcome back to the IPHO podcast. I'm Mita Youssef, a first-year Rotational Regulatory Affairs Fellow at Amgen affiliated with the Rutgers Pharmaceutical Industry Fellowship Program. As your co-host for monthly episodes, my goals include sharing success stories from industry pharmacists and fellows, providing practical advice for those entering the pharmaceutical industry or even transitioning from traditional pharmacy roles, offering insights on transferable skills, fellowship applications, networking, diverse career paths in the field, and everything in between to help support your professional growth. Whether you're a student, a fellow, an industry pharmacist, or someone transitioning into the pharmaceutical industry, we've got you covered. So stay tuned for inspiration, advice, and valuable insights. A quick note is that the views expressed here are completely our own. Welcome back, everyone. For those who didn't tune in for our last episode, I'm your new co-host, Rita Youssef. I'm a first-year Rotational Regulatory Affairs Fellow at Amgen, affiliated with RPIF. And today, I have a special guest joining us, Kirillus Nakhla. Kirillus, thank you so much for being on the show today. My pleasure, Rita. Thank you for having me. Yeah, excited to have you. So just to provide some background, um, Kirillus is a principal scientist in PK Sciences at Novartis. He attained his Bachelor of Science in Biochemistry from Montclair State University and his PharmD from Rutgers University in New Jersey. Kirillus completed a postdoctoral fellowship in PKS at Novartis in in conjunction with RPIF and has transitioned into a full-time role at the end of 2022. He worked across multiple therapeutic areas, including global health, tropical diseases, and respiratory, and currently focusing on rare diseases and oncology. So today we're going to talk to Carlos about his journey to his current role within clinical pharmacology, which includes his pharmacokinetics fellowship within the pharmaceutical industry, and how pharmacy students can begin to set themselves up for this type of position. So, Kirillus, let's start with some background on yourself, um, as well as why you decided to go to pharmacy school. Yes, absolutely. So you covered it pretty well in reading my bio, but just a little bit, um, (laughs) a few more details about why pharmacy school. I grew up, uh, I was born and raised in Egypt, and my dad is a physician, my uncle was a pharmacist, so I saw how they were able to contribute to their community as healthcare providers. I've always wanted to do that from a young age. And then in high school and even before that, I just really enjoyed chemistry and you know my brain at the time just made the connection, chemistry, pharmacy. I first, like you said, attended uh, Montclair State University. I got a bachelor's of science in biochemistry and I really enjoyed that and I enjoyed the research that I did in my last year. And that kind of you know solidified my interest in going to pharmacy and taking a research route. I ended up uh, attaining my PharmD, like you mentioned, from Rutgers and just seeing everyone around me at RPIF, the professional development days that really inspired me to pursue a fellowship. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how I ended up where I am. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. I completely relate to the background of why pharmacy school. I think, yeah, same thing, you know, dad was a pharmacist, uncle's a pharmacist, so Uh, Yeah, thanks for sharing that. So before we dive into our topic today, what sorts of activities were you involved when you were in pharmacy school? Like, what were your major interests back then? And if you can share some of your experiences during pharmacy school that initially sparked your interest in the pharmaceutical industry, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. So while I was in pharmacy school, you know, to anyone, any fellow that you talk to will always tell you about the three things that you should focus on. I just happen to coincidentally focus on them, too which of course, starting with research, I did a semester or so of bench research. I did a few clinical projects. I got the chance to work with fellows and professors on these projects. I thought they were really insightful, uh, especially because it tells you what you don't like and 
kind of gives you a hint about what you do like. And then I also, one of the things I enjoy doing the most is uh, getting involved with some of the organizations. I was a part of APHA. I was involved with Generation RX. I think they re rebranded it with a different name now. But uh, back in the day, it was Generation RX. And I thoroughly enjoyed that because I'm very passionate about addiction. And this organization just focused a lot on awareness for addiction, awareness for medication safety. We were able to do a lot of community outreach. Um, and it gave me a lot of opportunities to be involved within leadership. I enjoyed being a leader within APHA, pursued that further. I was actually um, the president of Rokai, Rokai Honor Society as well. And literally the only reason I took that is because I felt as a leader, your ability to serve increases dramatically. So I wanted to grow as a leader, see if it was for me. And I highly recommend seeking leadership opportunities within pharmacy school or within volunteering organizations outside of pharmacy school. It's very, very beneficial. And I think you mentioned internships. I was very fortunate to have two internships while I was in pharmacy school. Uh, my first being clinical pharmacology and pharmacometrics, so not so far from what I'm doing now. It was at BMS. I worked on uh, a drug that's now approved. I believe the brand name now is Sotic2. I, I think that experience was probably the most valuable experience. I didn't know this walking into it, but probably the most valuable experience of my pharmacy school, just because I got the chance to work with brilliant scientists, physicians, and business leaders on what now is a drug that's going to serve millions of people in some indications that there are no hope for patients like lupus. And um, I would highly recommend to anyone listening who is a student to just knock on any door and reach out to anyone who may be able to grant you such an opportunity. It's again, unparalleled. It kind of sets you on the path of, you know, your future, your future career. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I think, you know, definitely you were very lucky to get those two internships. And I'm sure that's, you know, those are experiences that you'll carry on with you wherever your career takes you. And I completely agree about leadership. I think everyone should seek out a leadership experience because it really teaches you so much and something that as well you will always carry on um, throughout your when your career progresses. Um, and then I guess, can you briefly share about the postdoctoral fellowship in PK that you completed just to give our listeners some context? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's called PK Sciences or Pharmacokinetic Sciences, which sounds scary, but it really <laughs> isn't that bad. It's also synonymous with clinical ph pharmacology and pharmacometrics. This is what I did my internship in. It's just they had to reorg and they relabeled it, as most companies do. So the fellowship, I will be honest, has a steep learning curve. But as we were talking before, I think most fellowships have a steep learning curve. If there was mm -hmm. nothing to learn, there's no point in doing the fellowship. And um, it's heavy on the science a little bit. You need to understand the basics of PK, which we learned in school, how the body affects the drug and also how the drug affects the body. Um, I started off in, in global health and I'll just mention a few projects that kind of shed light on what is PK. Uh, I started off in global health. I worked on a project called, I created a clinical pharmacology plan. And this is where the strategy component comes in. Your um, pretty much looking at your preclinical data and your early clinical data, understanding, you know, the risk liability for QT, the risk liability for drug-drug interactions. Um, are you expecting to have food effect? Uh, is this metabolized by your kidney and liver? Does that mean that people with 
impaired kidneys and liver can't take the drug or need those reductions. So you're looking at all of that probably five, 10 years before the drug gets approved. And you're thinking, okay, in order for me to get it through the F FDA revision and NDA submission, what studies do I need to do? Um, and not only what studies do I need to do, but what studies do I need to do when? Because the last thing you want is to invest in a bunch of studies for a drug to fail anyway. And then you'll have wasted a lot of money. But the, also, as I'm sure you know, Rita, a delay to market by one year can cost a company millions, if not billions. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a, a very stringent balance on when to do what. And then one last thing to mention about PK, which I think is most important, it's only going to be more important in the future, is the dose selection. And if anyone is in the oncology space and they've been paying attention to Project Optimus, uh, this is a way for the FDA to make sure that oncology drug development leaders or pharmacy, uh, pharmaceutical companies are optimizing the dose. So historically, we've been just giving a drug in, you know, early clinical trials phase one, and we're seeing what is the highest dose of this drug that we can give to patients, and we go with it, MTD, the maximal tolerated dose. But we all know that sometimes the patients suffer a lot from unintended side effects that if you were to use a lower dose that maintains the efficacy, you can reduce the safety. So that's what the FDA is doing. And that's what that's actually where ClinPharm comes in because we have a huge part to do with the dose. We balance the safety and the efficacy through you know modeling and simulation and just understanding of the pharmacokinetic properties of a drug. So in the future, understanding PK and prioritizing ClinPharm is going to be very vital in getting a drug to market. So that's in short, a little bit about PK and a little bit about my fellowship. Um, you get to work on all the little pieces I mentioned, like dose in the first in human, which is a phase one, uh, in the POC, which is a phase two. Um, you get to work in preclinical if you would like. I was fortunate to work in oncology and non-oncology, and they're vastly different. So it's a lot of experience, but that's kind of that's kind of the objective. What the point of the fellowship is? Oh wow! Honestly, I didn't know much about clinical pharmacology. So I think you just, you know, summed it up really nicely and ex with the projects like about the ClinPharm plan and dose selection, Project Optimus, I think. Thank you so much for that explanation. I think I learned something new today as well as our listeners. Um, so yeah, now that we do have some context, what would you say like first sparked your interest in PK? Was there a particular experience like the internship that you had that led you to pursue this functional area? Absolutely. That's a good question. And I can't say I wanted to do this from middle school or high school or honestly, even undergrad. It's It was more of a, a gradual way of um, elimination, actually, eliminating what I don't like and focusing on what I do like. So it's a combination of my experience, my internship experience at BMS which, as I mentioned, I thoroughly enjoyed. It showed me the impact it can have on patients. And it showed me it would allow me the experience to work again with remarkable scientists and physicians um, in a drug development team. Uh, another part of it, the other leg, is throughout pharmacy school, like I mentioned, and even before that, I was interested in research. And most of the time when I worked on research projects with multiple people, or even when I worked on my by myself, my favorite thing was data. Um, 
just data, honestly. Data analysis, data exploration, making sense out of data because most of the time data doesn't lie and it gives you the answer that you need and you can use it to get to where you need to get. Um, so my interest in data and data analytics and just my overall interest in critical thinking and research combined with the phenomenal experience I had on a drug development team as a clinical pharmacologist, as well as the strategy and the room for growth within the field bundled together kind of made choosing PK sciences for me obvious, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. I think... You know, some people are super passionate about a specific functional area from the get-go, but then I think another process, and like I guess what you mentioned as well, is like the process of elimination. I don't think there's any wrong or right way. Um, Sometimes some experiences at least let us know that, okay, this functional area is not for me. So it's still at the end of the day was a valuable experience because it leads you to another opportunity. So yeah, that is... um, very interesting. And um, what would be your recommendation, I guess, for pharmacy students who are interested and what can they do to start differentiating themselves? Absolutely. So as I mentioned before about my activities in pharmacy school, and these will always apply to pretty much everything within everything fellowship related. It's, you know, the Holy Trinity of research organizations and internships. I think there was another one that I don't remember, but those three will get you at least to the first, second, and probably final round of interviews if you have them and you have your interviewing them. Now, if you're interested in PK or honestly anything else, um, shoot your shot. Find someone on LinkedIn that's interested in something that you like or um, the way I approached it, I found people on LinkedIn that were exactly where I wanted to be when I was their age or in a few years and I reached out to them and of course some people might not get back to you but the overwhelming majority of the people will get back to you and you can just ask them about how they like it and how they enjoy it and how to get experience in this field and sometimes they'll have an internship that they're looking for someone and you've just demonstrated being proactive going out of your way to seek mentorship being learnable or teachable rather so just reach out to people on LinkedIn and For PK, as it is a science, most likely in your pharmacy school, you'll have a department of PK that you can speak to the professors, maybe think about doing a project with them to understand it. But I will give a warning here. Academia is very different than industry. So don't let any negative or bad experience in academia deter you from pursuing this further. So get your information from the source, someone who's working in industry in PK. Um, If you're interested, please reach out to me. I'm happy to tell you more about it. And um, also try to get research as well. That will give you an idea about the subject, but not the work, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, thank you for that valuable information. I think, you know, students will find that super helpful. And I completely agree. I think, you know, LinkedIn is such a powerful tool. And you know, it literally in this day and age, it's like just you can look up anyone and with just like one text, it's not like you're going to lose anything. Like you shoot your shot. If you don't get an answer, great. If you get an answer, also great. So you don't really lose anything. So yeah, completely agree with that. Uh, so moving on, um, 
As mentioned before, so Carlos now works um, full-time in Clin Farm at Novartis after he completed his postdoctoral fellowship with Novartis in affiliation with Rutgers. So Carlos, how has Novartis been able to facilitate those professional goals you set out before the start of your fellowship and after? Absolutely. So I think one of the simplest goals anyone can have within a fellowship is to get hired afterwards, whether at the same company or elsewhere. So I would say that first goal was fulfilled and actually a little bit earlier as well. And for me, that was very important because I had picked up um, various projects, kind of added a lot on my plate with the promise from my manager that, you know, I would be hired and if possible, hired early. So the fulfillment of the process at Novartis was honestly something very, very important to me. Uh, now, my other professional goals, walking into PK sciences um, or clinical pharmacology in general, there are two components or two functional areas within that. There is the strategy component and then there is the analytics component. This is predominantly strategy. So since I joined, I also wanted to learn the analytics form just because I enjoy data and I think it would be very beneficial to anything I choose to do later. And Novartis has offered me that opportunity to get involved with analytics and work with other departments and departments and do rotations if needed. And even now, as a full-time employee, Novartis still offers me that opportunity. And I'm actually taking advantage of it right now. And um, professionally speaking, um, they are some of the nicest people I've worked with uh, within Novartis. And I think working in an environment that it that facilitates growth to that extent has probably been one of the most rewarding thing, which is why I've chosen to stay. I think I've been there for um, about two and a half years now. So this is, and actually I'll use this to give maybe unsolicited advice to people that are listening. When you're choosing your fellowship, make sure you're also choosing a manager and a team because those really decide your experience and your fellowship experience. It's not really as important as it is to pick something that you're interested in. Absolutely. Uh, when it comes to it and maybe you have a few options, always choose the manager. Always choose the manager that will invest in you. A hundred percent. I could not agree more with that. I think at the end of the day, you know, it's the people who make it or break it. So I think, you know, being comfortable and, you know, being able to actually connect with your team, your manager, that's super, super important. And a little belated uh, congrats, but that's amazing, Carlos. And um, yeah, I'm I'm very glad to hear that. So, you know, being in this space, where do you feel you make an impact on patients? I know as like PharmDs, we're always looking for that impact on patient lives. So how does this function fulfill this for you? Of course. So... You know, as PharmDs, we're always looking for that impact on patient lives. So I was just wondering how your functional area fulfills this for you. Absolutely. That's such a good question. Um, and I think as anyone, in, let's say most people in pharma, it's also an important question for them as well. And I think really the end goal is getting a cure or treatment to the patient. And I feel that I'm doing it Earlier on in the process than most other fellows who are maybe in medical or in uh, commercial, but I think what I'm doing for me at least is particularly impactful because I'm making sure that patients are taking 
a dose of the drug that it's not going to hurt them that's going to be efficacious and i find that very impactful because now with our understanding of um, genetics and our understanding of different metabolizers and how actually just reading on the news the other day someone uh took one of the oncology drugs and passed away because i think he was a poor metabolizer um the drug that was supposed to cure him actually ended up killing him that was the headline of course it's more sophisticated and uncommon than that but if we can help people who are suffering get treatment especially in oncology without getting unwarranted or unnecessary side effects i think there's no greater joy to me than that and that's really what my job comes down to making sure that you know regular patients and patients that suffer from hepatic impairment renal impairment who are taking different drugs and who are maybe taking the drug with food or without food or maybe thinking about um, taking other drugs that impact QT prolongation. You're just making sure that those patients, the special populations that you'll see in the label are safe. And I find that impactful. Yeah, no, definitely. That sounds extremely fulfilling. And of course, the dose is something extremely, extremely important. As you mentioned, it's literally a life <clears throat> or a death situation. Um, and what would you say was the main adjustment or challenge from, you know, first being a pharmacy um, student to a fellow in PK and then being a fellow to stepping into your current role as a scientist in ClinPharm? That's another phenomenal question. Honestly, something that I've been thinking about a lot. I would say it's, um, I'll start from pharmacy school and honestly, the challenge didn't really change much from the two different transitions. It Maybe my experience in pharmacy school is unique, but I think it's a lot more common than people realize, which is you have too many exams you're cramming for each exam and then you're recovering from putting in however many hours of cramming and then you pick it up, you go for the next exam. The way I like to think about it, you're sprinting. You're sprinting from one thing to the next. You're taking a break that you need. You're not choosing to take a break. You need to turn off your brain for a little bit in order to get ready for the next cram session, for the next sprinting. The recovery time after sprinting is very different than the recovery time from taking a long jog. Now you graduate pharmacy school and you get into the fellowship and you're walking in with the mindset, okay, so I'm taking this huge pay cut. Let me make the most out of it. Let me pile as many things on my plate as possible. Let me try to get as many impactful experiences as I can. And in the process, you're treating a marathon like a sprint. And that's at least how I felt, um, where you're sprinting and then you're crashing and then you're sprinting and then you're crashing. And if you've ever run a marathon, that's a terrible way to run anything long distance and it's 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 a i mean career is a very long time and even if you break it down into intermediate goal it's a very long time so personally that's something that i've struggled a lot with so saying no to things that i know will be beneficial for me but at the same time they will take away from not only my quality of life but my ability to produce quality work and other things and being able to time management and just set realistic expectations of what I can accomplish within a time just so I can mitigate the recurring burnout that I experience. 
So that, I would say that's probably one of the toughest things about transitioning from pharmacy school to fellowship, from fellowship to full time. And of course, you can always take in the you know the soft skills and the technical skills. Both you know again, very steep learning curve, especially within the technical skills. Just because as pharmacists, we were forced to learn how to be communicators. We were trained to communicate not only with doctors but healthcare practitioners. So that gave us you know at least a simple skill set that we can use. Of course, we should absolutely build on it. But I would say that pills in comparison to the technical skills and the mindset that you take to your work. For sure, for sure. And yeah, I really liked how you mentioned, you know, like time management as well and like setting realistic goals. Um, definitely, you know, there are always going to be challenges, but I think it's just the approach and, and how you take them. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. And, um, you know, I know that PK is a branch of pharmacology, but I'm sure the listeners are probably wondering this. What are the main differences in your work in PK versus ClinPharm? Is, you know, like, is there a lot of overlap or are they, how are they different or similar? Sure. I will just take the long way of answering this question and give you a little insight about how the clinical team or the clinical trial team functions within Novartis. So ClinPharm and PK sciences at Novartis are kind of synonymous. It's just the reorganization led to relabeling, and they're more or less the same thing. But I'll try to explain how it works by explaining who do I work with. So as a clinical pharmacologist or a PK scientist, both, um, you sit on the clinical trial team, so that's for a specific trial, but you also sit on the clinical development team. So that's these are the people that are responsible for the development of the whole compound or at least a compound for a specific indication. Now, when you sit on the clinical trial team, you're representing an entire organization, which is PK Sciences, but not everyone gets to attend. So you're responsible for the operational burden, which is making sure when you take samples, they're analyzed, the samples are taken at the right time, working with clinical, making sure that any sample reconciliation is done properly, making sure that the data is accurate and available when you need it. Now, the other part is the scientific or the clinical part. You're working with people in early development, preclinical, who's done the toxicology studies on this compound, who have done the preclinical studies on this compound, who know it better than you and probably than, better than anyone else. You're collaborating with them. You're also collaborating. We have someone called an, an ADME expert. This person is a, a scientific expert about understanding ADME how um, the body affects the drug in a way of absorption, distribution, metabolism, and elimination. And then you're working with a bunch of other people too. In statistics, you're working with other people, and um, they're called pharmacometricians. And I would say this is the biggest difference between PK sciences and clinical pharmacology and pharmacometrics elsewhere, where we deal minimally with the pharmacometrics part, which is just the analytical part. And we have a whole department dedicated to pharmacometrics. Um, in other companies, it's actually more streamlined. You still have some pharmacometrician for the very advanced modeling, but as a ClinPharm lead or a scientist, you're expected to know a little bit or do a little bit of the modeling yourself. So there's a lot of overlap. Um, 
I would say it's it's not really about the naming, but rather just how each company does it and how each company functions. That's how Novartis functions compared to other companies. Yeah, that is very interesting. Thank you so much for that intricate explanation. Um, I'm sure a lot of people also just learned something new. And uh, I guess gearing over to some like interview perspective, how was your overall experience when you went through interviews the second time around post-fellowship? And what advice would you give to fellows who will be going through this process themselves? Absolutely. So for that, it's actually a really simple answer. If you're interviewing in-house, your tenure at that company was your interview. Um, you, I still had interviews uh, for my position. I interviewed with, as anyone would, with the, you know, the therapeutic area heads of um, PK Sciences, as most literally interviewers go through it. But the difference is when you've been at the company, not only your manager knows you, knows your work ethic, knows what you're capable of, knows what you've done, but other people, like the people interviewing you, know you as well. So you're still talking to them. You want to say the right things. You want to, just like you did for your fellowship interviews, uh, prepare to answer questions concisely, um, say the right things, make sure you understand what the company's goals and objectives and mission is. And when you have the inner the inner scoop, make sure you focus on not the weak points, but the things that the company are trying to improve that you can help with. It's simple when you're doing internal. When you're going externally, I did not do many interviews externally, to be honest. I got offered my position before I was ready. Not even ready. I just didn't have time to interview with everyone else. Um, I would have gotten the offer from the artist much earlier than I would have gotten an offer from anywhere else. It didn't make sense for me at the time. But I would say probably the same tokens apply. Know what your employer is looking for. Really know the job description. Speak to people in that department. Understand what needs to be done. How it's different than your um, company. And I would say the most important thing for some jobs is you have to do a presentation. And I have a few friends in commercial who also had to do presentations. So I don't think that's particular to um, PK. So make sure that as you're going through your fellowship, you're keeping track of the things that you're accomplishing, not only to bring them up in interview questions, but you're also putting them together in a deck just in case that you need to present this to people. It would be very frustrating and tough to just sit back and think about two years of experience much more easier if you're able to keep track of what you've been doing all along. Yeah, I think that is very, very valuable advice, especially that that's around the corner for second year fellows. So I'm sure a lot of people are going to find this super helpful. And I think keeping track as well is a very major, you know, point, because like you said, you don't want to remember everything on the spot, like in two years, that's going to be super hard to do. So just keeping track as you're going along, any projects, anything you've accomplished is a very great tip. And um, a lot of our listeners are also current pharmacy students. So with that being said, what do you think are the top three soft skills needed to excel in your function? That's a good question too. I would say it's not so different from other functional areas. I will start with what's unique, obviously. If 
you don't enjoy looking at data in any way, shape, or form, and data could be anything. It could be a graph, it could be a table, then I wouldn't recommend PK for you. Um, so some level of critical thinking, some level of um, data analytics or data visualization, that's a technical aspect. But even if you are good at these things, I would actually say the most important things are the communication skills where you're communicating with physicians, the PIs, you're communicating with physicians who are working on the trial with you within the company, you're communicating with scientists, and then you're also communicating with commercial. So you will need to approach each conversation differently and you'll need to focus on what's important to each of the respective people that you're talking to. So again, it just boils down to communication and leadership especially within this field, because for most companies, you are leading, but you're not leading vertically per se. It's not that you have a lot of people reporting to you, at least not initially, but you're leading different line functions that all contribute to the work that you're doing. So you need to be able to do cross-functional leadership or have some form of leadership and highlight that, because I do think it's one of the most important things to get things done in this role. And honestly, you could apply it to any other role in, in the pharmaceutical industry. Yes, yes. Once again, thank you for this valuable information. Um, yes, leadership, communication, super, super important. And as you mentioned, I think not just for your function, for honestly, all functional areas within pharma. Um, so wrapping up, I was just wondering what your professional goals within this function you know, for your career, um, sort of like, where do you see yourself in five years? And how do you see your career evolving in this dynamic field? Absolutely. Uh, it's a good question. I'm still working on that. The immediate, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the next two to five years, I would like to learn as much as I can about clinical pharmacology and PK in general. I think it will take me that time to get a good grasp of and a good experience under my belt to be able to function as a clinical pharmacologist where I go. And then beyond that, it's again, just leaning back on why I did this to begin with, which is to make sure that patients get a treatment or a cure when there is nothing available at the time. So again, focusing on drug development, I'm not really locked into one functional area. I don't think I can physically do one role within a functional area for more than a few years. Um, my plan is to seek opportunities where they're available and just, again, focus on my why, which is, again, providing treatments and options and therapies for patients, which that might take me in drug development further in a different role um, that, might, that might necessitate that I go into commercial and learn more about the financial aspect of bringing a drug to market and making sure that you have reinvestments in R&D afterwards. Um, I don't, I consider myself more opportunistic um, than a meticulous planner. Plans have a tendency of falling apart, so I just have a general idea of where I'm going. Yeah, no, I really, really like that answer. And 
I agree. I think being opportunistic, you know, like pharma is, it changes so fast. And honestly, like you learn something new every day within your role. So just, the, I really liked how you mentioned the focusing on my why, just reminding yourself like, okay, like, why do I like this? What do, like, what do I want? Um, is just like something that will keep pushing you forward and, you know, seeking out these, these new opportunities. Uh, yeah. So we spent a lot of time talking about you know, how PK and ClinForum and your journey to your current role throughout this whole episode. So I was just curious if there was something you wanted to let our viewers know that we didn't have a chance to speak about. Uh, nothing serious. Just have fun. Make sure that you're enjoying <laughs> what you're doing. It's make sure you have a strong why, like we mentioned, and make sure that you're enjoying what you're doing. You'll always have little days. You'll always have some boring days at work in any field or just you know a decreased workload which i'm sure a lot of fellows are dreaming about right now just make <laughs> sure you enjoy that as much as you enjoy putting in the work when the work needs to be put in um, enjoy the process yes yes definitely enjoy the process that's a key point <laughs> so yeah with that being said this brings us to the conclusion of this episode of the ipho podcast i want to extend a huge thank you to Carlos for taking the time out of his busy schedule and i hope the audience got some insight into the pk clin farm space and again special thanks to Carlos for joining us for this episode until next time everyone <laughs>